Hey everyone, welcome to the Debatable Podcast. I'm Greg Sadashne. Uh, it's been uh, a couple weeks since uh, I've talked to you, uh, since I had an episode. Uh, unfortunately, uh, because of some uh, unforeseen health issue that came up, nothing too serious, don't, don't freak out. Uh, but uh, yeah, I did have to reschedule with uh, Joe Bailey Jr. and Steve Mims. Uh, that's uh, going to be upcoming. We're going to uh, reschedule soon. Um, I got the uh, the okay from them to uh, to start scheduling something new. So hopefully that's going to be in the near future. Um, but yeah, because I had to cancel the interview and I took a week off um, for the for the for the health issue, uh, I uh, I was able to uh, to reorganize and get my shit back together. Uh, and wouldn't you know it? Just today, I dropped my iPhone. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a first world problem. Definitely a first world problem. But you know uh, that that will kind of ruin your day. Um, yeah, I'm looking at this kind of spider-glassed screen, and, uh, you know what? I'm not that pissed off. Uh, I'm, I'm a little disappointed, you know? It's my iPhone 4. I, I enjoy it. I, I use so much, uh, so much of my life is, uh, is through that, that, uh, portal, you know? Uh, but, uh, you know what? It, it's, it's not a veiled attempt to get an iPhone 5. I mean, I'll probably get an iPhone 5 now. But uh, it's definitely not, definitely not my motive. So if there is an investigation, um, I will say now, uh, I had no intention of hurting the iPhone five, uh, iPhone four. Sorry, um, I had uh, I had no uh, no uh, predisposition of uh, hatred or anger. Um, I wasn't trying to collect on any sort of uh, insurance. And, uh, yeah, it wasn't premeditated, I'll say that. Man, I've been watching too many crime shows. Um, anyway, uh, besides that, besides my, my, uh, (laughs) the thing that broke my heart today, much like a glass screen, um, no, uh, I was so happy to finally have Dan Tyag come back, that's the guest this week on the program, one of my best friends, if you listen to our gargantuan, um, uh, half origin story, half Vince Bowman love letter, that was, I think, episode three, uh, you're in for, for some more good stuff, uh, we have a good, uh, uh, rep- re- uh, repertoire, re- re- rapport, there we go, it's like the Colbert rapport, yeah, um, and, uh, yeah, we, uh, we did something new this week, we did a, uh, uh, listener mail, um, we couldn't really come up with an idea, originally we were thinking, okay, we're gonna do some, something about video games, but man, no, we, we decided we're gonna, we're gonna shoot for the fences and try to get everything in a nice sketch scattershot pattern uh, of, uh, of listener mail. Uh, we had some friends and some fans of the show write in, and uh, well, this is the episode that, uh, that came about from it. Um, right before we get into it, a couple notes. Uh, Facebook.com slash Debatable Podcast. That's our Facebook. Go over there and like us. Uh, post uh, questions, comments, things that we can involve you into the podcast with just like we did with this uh listener mail 
um uh debatable podcast.tumblr.com that's our tumblr i use it as a blog so it's uh not only uh posts of the stream and the download for each episode but of course there's articles there's uh things that i link on there photos for instance with this episode uh i did take a photo of dan in a particular position as we were doing the program and uh that photo is actually on the Tumblr right now. You can go over there and see that. That's uh, that that that'll give you a nice uh, visual stimulus for what you'll be hearing this week. So uh, yeah, those those are the notes. Uh, again, you know, I want to point people to uh, to Fernando Madrigal's podcast. Good friend of the show. Good friend of mine. Uh, print the legend. It's ptlpod.tumblr.com. Uh, go over there. He's still uh, running strong. Uh, I think last week's episode was with Jason Atkinson. A friend of her, a friend of his, and a friend of mine. A very good guy, uh, very uh, good opinions, and and always funny. So uh, much like I would uh, characterize uh, Fernando's podcast, always funny, always uh, enjoyable, and I love hearing the uh, people that he uh, interviews. So yeah, definitely go over there and check the, uh, check out his podcast. Um, yeah, let's get right into it. Dan Tyg this week. Enjoy. Doing it live. We're doing it live. <laughs> Dan Tyag. So now's the time to scratch and burp and fart and stuff. This is and the perfect time for it. Rolling. Okay. So let me set the scene for those who are listening. First yeah, of all, you Dan, need to paint a visual picture of please, what's what's please. going on here. Um, if listeners have ever been at the grocery store, mm-hmm. okay, and maybe you were a child. Who knows? Maybe you're an adult. Uh, you are in a line near a magazine and newspaper section. Do they okay. still have newspaper sections? They, they have, yeah. I mean, it's the tabloid section. Yeah. yeah. Well, so near the tabloid, and so, so you got Jet Magazine, right? Black Enterprise. Right, Black Enterprise. I would say uh, Highlights is somewhere there. Ebony. Well, obviously Ebony. Right. And then Wait, you, what kind of grocery store are we... Never mind. It's a, a giant. A, a, giant. a run-of-the-mill okay. giant. Okay. Or if you're in, in New York, a King Cullen. Ooh. Didn't know about that. That's Didn't know about that. Showing your worldliness. There. Sure. Um, well, anyway, one of those one of those uh, magazines might be Teen Beat, right? Okay. Okay. This is exactly the position that Dan mm-hmm. Tyag is in. He is laying on my bed, face towards me. Mm-hmm. If I was taking photos right now, it's very possible it could be on like Filipino Teen Beat right now. Sure. Imagine your favorite 
soap opera music Jonas Brothers star just kind of splayed out on on your mattress and you have a pretty good mental picture of what's going on. Let me let me do one of these for Greg. The audience oh gets my god. Going, but oh I'm, my god, he is I'm crossing. crossing my legs and I'm I'm propping myself up on my oh my god. on my hands. Yeah. 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 This looks like it should be in Twilight. Mm-hmm. We'll be honest. You should probably add a photo element to this podcast. Can, should I take a photo right <laughs> sure, now? Sure, you should take a photo so I'm that right. viewer, you can drive traffic to your website so that viewers can view me. We just took a picture. Of course, you know, when you take the photo element, it the, the audio element suffers. As, well, they, as, what would ha- as what just happened. As, with, but with it's got good lighting. <clears throat> Pretty good lighting. You know? Yeah. Got the window right Because I'm here. Because I'm here. All right, so that photo of me is going to drive traffic to your debatable podcast (laughs) Uh website and get people to listen to more of the show. Absolutely. Okay. So you are making, some would say, a triumphant return. Would that be the right word? Triumphant? It's a a return anyway. It is a return. Mm -hmm. You are returning to the fold. Dan Tyag, I have said it 15 times already, returning again, and uh, I'm so happy to have you on the, on the, uh, on the debatable podcast. I'm happy to be that. here. I had such a great time last time. Um, the uh, three people that I know that listened to it um, thought that we did a great job. Right. And, uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm excited to, to give it another go. So, of course, what, they're, what we're going to give them is exactly what we gave them last time. Three right? hours talking about the Bowman Trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> the redux, the redo is what we're going for here. Actually, we're going to change it up a little bit. Okay. We're going to do something schizophrenic. Mm-hmm. We're going to do it all over the place. This is as close as we're going to get to reader mail or listener okay. mail. I like this. I like this uh, this format because, you know, a lot of the debatable podcast has been talking about the experiences of the of the guests and, you know, uh, their different fields of expertise. But right. But this one is kind of like interacting with your... With your audience, yeah, and I like the fact that we get to you know kind of kind of talk to the people listening. They get to ask us questions, sure. And, you know, we get to try to be funny. I now, guess. I will say this: we're gonna set up just one rule. We usually don't do rules on this program, right? Right. Most of the time, it's no holds barred. It's, it's anarchy. Yes, it's a full anarchy. If we do an interview at any point, people can walk out of the room. I remember mm-hmm. that one that I did with Gallagher. I kind of upset him, and he left. Was that? Wait, wait that wasn't my podcast. Was that the Gallagher? That was yeah. That was my that, podcast. Like, Smash melons. That was yeah. That was Mark Marin. That was oh okay. That I wasn't was, you. I was confused. It myself. looked like you because it, he has. Definitely. Does he has the he has the glasses right? He has the glasses, but he has more well formed uh, facial hair and um, a, a, a more of a um, idiosyncratic uh, sure. personality. Was Gallagher also laying on his bed? At the time, I believe so. Was he smashing melons on his bed, <laughs> yeah, with his dick, so to speak, with his okay. hammer. Okay. okay, so this is an R-rated broadcast. It's already it? awkward. Okay. No, it's explicit on iTunes. Is it explicit? Yeah, I didn't know it's that. It's the little little red. Explicit my my mom would not be happy about that. By the way, but did she listen to the? Other well, one? here's the thing. Um, the so we recorded the podcast and you were you were broadcasting it around the time of the the storms and everyone was getting blacked out. Right. So my mom, both times that she tried to listen to the podcast. The power went out on her for like at least she a three-day. She was streaming thing. it. She was she was listening this to is it. Horrible. She, she was listening she, to it. She was in the middle of listening it. to it, and uh, the power went out, and it didn't come back on for like a week. This might Both be a times. perfect excuse to use Mother Nature as a reason not to mm-hmm. listen to my podcast. Sure. Yeah. It's why that's, that's the reason why she won't listen to it. Also, she thinks that you're hateful. That's fine. Yeah. I love your mother. Your mother can get away with mm-hmm. you know just calling me a racist. Yeah. That's fine. 
Hi, Mom. Hey, how's it going, Mrs. Ty? Um, let's jump right into it, man. Let's yeah. let's let's get let's get a, a sampling sure. of what we got today. Now, it, all right. I think I left my water in the other room, but that's okay. Are you going to be parched? I well, we'll see. We'll see how you parched already sound I get. Dry. Do I, do you, I you sound dry? you sound gravelly. You sound mm. like Nick Nolte and uh, the Good Thief. Let me. Can I give it? Can I give a cough? Good, good sure. <laughs> Alright, that should be good. Okay. That should be good. You got I'll be, thank I'll you be okay. for Fleming on my bed. Nope. Oh oh see, I was trying to cough mm. away from the mm. recorder mm. and I inadvertently coughed on half your, your lung on onto your the pillow. Bed. Yeah, yeah. There's a big green spot where That's... I'm sorry about that. But this is why Larry King doesn't interview people in his bedroom on for, his bed. For some reason when you said Larry King I thought Larry Flint and I was like <laughs> That guy does interview people on his bed. <laughs> That is the only place those interviews should take place. And it's not Flem that yeah. ends up on the... Okay, and that's so. just not the supermodels. That's also like the people, the VPs, <laughs> yes. the mailroom clerks, the folks yes. that work... At, yeah. Everybody. Oh, is the recorder not even on? <laughs> that would be funny. Is it okay. not? Is it really not? No, no, no. It's okay. Good. good. It's good. Good. Is it? You should talk to your engineer. Yeah. Monique, get on yeah. it. <laughs> your board engineer. No, no, no. That. Okay, so we're going to get right into it. Okay. Um, Let's give you a sample of the questions we got today. Now, just to be forefront with the with the listener here, you have not seen any of these questions. Um, okay, you've seen some of these I've questions. I've seen most of them. Okay, you've seen but most of them. But to be fair, I, like you sent them to me in advance, yes. but I skimmed them. You were I like... I didn't really read them. I was just like, nah. You know, you know. spontaneity, right? So I have seen the questions, but I approached them with a level of... Um, Unprofessionality. Unprofessionalism that... Yes. Pretty much makes it so that I don't know what you're about to ask. Unprofessionalism and procrastination. Yeah, like that's my bag, baby. Let's start with this. Mm. Um, Jordan Coulson. Yes. Some people know him from movies we've done. They do. Some people know him as the Miley Cyrus of Northern Pennsylvania. I've said that. JMC. JMC. He is a, a rapper and inspirational dancer. Mm-hmm. He is uh, he's a community activist. The kids love him. We're yeah. we're actually going to go film a show with JMC tomorrow. That's awesome. Yes. So uh, let's right into what Jordan has sure. to say. I, I love mean, Jordan. I've known him for years. Put put to rest once and for all what race and or ethnicity Daniel Tyeg is. Please now, let's say this. As they might see from the picture that I'm going to post. You could come off as Hispanic, or Pacific Islander, or Indian, like not, or both Indians, both types of Indian. Mm -hmm. Again, I preface that only to say this, you can answer, Mm -hmm. or you can say fuck you, like we said on the rules before. Okay, can I say fuck you and then answer? Yes, absolutely. First of all, fuck that guy, okay? Second of all, you're working with him anymore. If you want the ethnicity, uh, I believe on my mother's side, it's a little Swedish... Uh, German Irish, and then and then my dad was a a redkin. A a redkin. What's a what's a redkin for your for you Skyrim fans? Mmm. Yeah. Oh man, I cannot believe I lost. So that's that's a that's that's the combo. No, I'm I'm kidding. I'm I'm joking, of course, because that's that's not a real thing. No, we should leave it at that. Uh, My my mom is Nicaraguan. My dad is Filipino. Very nice. And I do get asked the question a lot, a lot. And some would say, you've got chocolate chip eyes? No? Well, I, right, I believe Mike Baroga has chocolate chip eyes. Mike Baroga. I maybe have raisin eyes. Raisin-ish? Raisin eyes. I would say, since we're talking about Mike Baroga, how about this? Uh, I think you should devote an entire episode, or how about the next two minutes, mm-hmm. on who shot Nice Guy Eddie. Uh, if you remember in Reservoir Dogs. Oh, 
the Chris Penn character, Nice Guy Eddie, mm. gets shot. Okay. And it's actually on, on T-shirts and posters mm. who shot him. And if I remember correctly, I'm just going to throw mm-hmm. this one out there. Someone shoots twice. I think Mr. White or Mr. Orange shoots one person and then brings his gun over and shoots Nice Guy Eddie. Okay. See, yeah. Not sure. Without any, like, video evidence. Right. Without any diagramming or really much. And there's no way that we yeah. can know. There's no evidence, really, that, yeah. we, can, that we can freeze frame. Right. That we can look at. We can't go back and to the left, back and Absolutely to the left. There's no, there there's no Zapruder film <laughs> there is of, no. the, of Nice Guy Eddie getting shot. Mm-mm. So, so who did you think it was? I, I'm gonna put put it out there and say that it was Mr. White. That would be the Harvey Keitel character. Okay. Okay. Are you gonna vote for someone else? Um, you know, uh, I'm gonna go. Who was uh, who was um, who's the guy that cut the guy's ear off? That, that was Mr. Blue. No, that's Mr. Blonde. But oh, he's is he he's dead, dead already? Right he gets shot. Is by... it possible that he's still alive uh, on screen? Now, some would say, mm-hmm. hey. A man who gets shot five to ten times in the chest can't be alive, but, but it's, I, a, it's a Quentin Tarantino movie. I, it is a Tarantino movie. I beg to differ. I mean, he's buried his characters, and they've come back to life. That's true. He's shot them up with machine guns, and they come back to life. That's true. You know? Um, in From Dust Till Dawn, they were fucking vampires. Who's yeah. to say? Who's to say? Exactly. Although that was a Robert Rodriguez movie. Yeah, so. but there's an, enough of a stamp. It's sure. much like, you know, Cabin in the Woods is a Drew Goddard film, but mm-hmm. Joss Whedon's stamp is on there as well. You yes. Know, he, he wrote it. Definitely. So, again, without having really much prior knowledge to this, I would go with Mr. Blonde. Okay, Mr. Blonde. the dark horse. Hands down. Hands down. Ears <laughs> off, Mr. Blonde. Uh, Michael Bennett, a man that we love I love dearly. that guy. Yes. Oh, man. I love everything. Literally no. every molecule. Of that every man. limb, uh, yeah, every limb, every, every organ, fiber, body. Yes. yeah, every secretion. <laughs> <laughs> no, like a, nothing goes to waste. Uh, no, exactly. Um, Michael Bennett, who is a good friend of ours mm-hmm. and uh, part of the um, the abrasive Bennetts of Baltimore. I, I like that. that. That's kind of like um, you know, That's like a, a Dukes of Hazard type thing going on there. <laughs> the abrasive Bennetts of Baltimore. <laughs> It's pretty nice, but now he's yeah. a Canadian, yeah. so... So he's spreading his abrasiveness yeah. across the border. We miss him dearly. He had this random thought. Yeah. If you were stricken with type, do, type 2 diabetes... Yes, which I probably will be, thanks yes. to my Filipino ancestry. <laughs> How is that? Okay, so uh, if you were stricken with type 2 diabetes and you were going to die, yeah, what would be... Your sugary death meal. What would be the your mm. last call, your way out? All right, so you're definitely dying of type 2 diabetes. Definitely. And, in fact, this is the death nil. This is huh. going to be something that puts you out. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, I think lots of people would say, oh, you know, I'd, I'd eat, like, a pound of pixie sticks. Right. Or, like, you know, uh, like, a billion caramel apples or something like that. I would go, I would go conservative with it. I would, I would eat something sugary that reminds me of my childhood. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my, my, my kid days. All right. Let me tell you, when I was a kid, one of my favorite things to do on Thursday nights was to eat a giant king size Snickers bar and watch 60 minutes. A giant king, king size, size Snickers, Snickers bar. bar and watch 60 minutes. Oh, wait. No, sorry. Not 60 minutes. 2020. Okay. That, that shit was on Thursdays. What Every was week. the correlation? Was it there... was just, it was, it was a routine. Oh. It was a king size Snickers bar. 
you know, journalism Thursday night. Ready. So that would that would bring me back to my childhood. And if I had to go, I'd want to go on a happy memory like that. So a giant king a size. giant king size yeah. Snickers bar, perhaps as many giant king size Snickers bars I could cram down my. I you I think that it's guaranteed, literally, mm-hmm. that you can only eat two of those before you die, and that's whether you have type, type two, two or otherwise. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, because it gets lodged in here. Yeah, as you can see. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Dunsky. Um, I'm gonna have to go peanut butter cups. Now one big peanut butter cup, gigantic. But I will say this: not Reese's. And we're not talking about little ones, and we're not talking about the double size or the king size ones, uh-huh. you know, the really thick ones. Yeah. I am talking about one, and I've gotten these. I've gotten these for Christmas, two, two Christmases in a row. Okay. Um, because I am a terrible person. Okay. I, it's about the size of a snack plate. If you put cheese and crackers on there, sure. Maybe put some fruit on there. That You know, okay. it's something delicious. This this peanut butter cup itself is the size of a snack plate. So you're talking so about radius is the ra- about the we'll size. We'll say diameter okay. is about five inches. Five or six inches. Okay. Now, that's that's like a disc. Okay? Yeah. It's Plus, about, yeah, you're talking about, about a little bigger than a CD. Sure. That's what you're talking about. Sure, yes. Yeah. And then the thickness or the height mm-hmm. of which would be about an inch, inch and a half. Okay. Now, this is a gigantic peanut butter it's cup. It's a big fucking peanut butter cup. Now, on top of that, not only does it have peanut butter in it, not only is it chocolatey on the outside, mm-hmm. it's got bacon in it. I, get the fuck out of here. Bacon, peanut butter cup. Oh, my God. And that big, and of course, the way that they make it, there's that either that peanut oil or whatever oil they use. So it is dripping so wet with oil. You bite into it, and, and you, get, it, you get chocolate, peanut butter, bacon, and then kind grease. of a grease, yeah, kind yeah. of a greasy, yeah. yeah. That would be the way I go. I and I've already sampled it twice, so I know three times the charm. It would kill you. So how long does it take to eat one of those? You know, giant you, peanut butter cups. Uh, and do you, and here's 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 the other thing. Is that something that you just casually snack on as yeah, you're going, or do you just like popcorn. do you like close the windows, close the blinds, <laughs> shut yourself off in a room, and then just it's, fucking it's, chow down on it's that? It's shame. Shit? It's shame. You have to eat it in a dark place, right? Like that's eat, the only thing you're concentrating on. Absolutely. If you eat anything else, if you eat it while anyone else is looking at you, it's almost like it it unmakes the world. Wow. So. Imagine you can't do work, okay? You cannot watch a television mm-hmm. show. You can't play a video game, obviously. Your hands are going to be covered in, in yeah. peanut butter bacon grease. Sure. But, yes, it is something that you have to fully focus on. You need to be in the dark, and you need to really question Same. how great a person you really are at sure. that point. Yeah, but at that point, I think you've kind of foregone yeah. your... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, it, being in the past of eating it, Maybe, you know, eating little bites of it over a week's time. Mm-hmm. I imagine if you fully committed yourself to eating that whole thing in one go... You're done. You're, you're done, Skate. You're dead. You're done. You're dead. Yeah. Okay. Because it, it literally has the calories mm-hmm. and the saturated fat and, and pretty much all the nutrients for a grown eight-year-old kid. Sure. And right. you're eating an eight... It's basically you're eating an eight-year-old kid. So I think I think we've kind of discovered the di- the difference between the two of us. At least how we choose to go out. You would you would burn out, and I would oh, fade away. I think I think yeah. you got it. Okay. That being said, you know, kind of as a sidebar, I don't. I've never understood the correlation between bacon and chocolate. 
I don't. I haven't you don't had get, a bacon chocolate see, thing. No, but see, the thing is, you already know kind of what the expectation is because mm-hmm. you like sweet and salty, right? Sure. Yeah. And that's like a cornerstone of Thai food. So True. if you've had uh, uh, culinary treats that have gone with the spicy salty or the uh, or the spicy sweet or the salty sweet, mm-hmm. then you know where it is. There, I mean, there's always that kind of savory and chocolatey blend there well i like bacon i like chocolate Obviously. so i guess it makes sense i'm gonna amend my answer that's how i'm gonna kill myself with with sugar um let's let's jump into to viviana westbrook yes a friend of ours viviana sent i was like hey you know uh we're looking for questions for this thing and then viviana proceeded to send me like uh a lot of questions. And what I like is that, that they, they seem to be random right off the, the they are. shooters. They really are. But I think plenty of, plenty of gold to be mined sure. there. We're going to do, do this uh, kind of as a lightning round. We're going to okay. get it in, get it out. Okay. That's what she said. Okay, so. Why is the pumpkin spice latte at Starbucks only mm-hmm. available during the autumn season? Yes. And eggnog only comes out during the winter, yet the hot apple cider mm. is available year-round. Is it available year-round? Has that been Generally, yeah I, t- yeah. I see that at places. But I think it comes out the most, like I notice it the most in the fall. In, in the, the fall. Right, because who wants hot apple cider in the desert? In, in, in Yeah, in the desert. <laughs> at the summer. beach. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what I could go for? So, a hot apple cider. Nobody's ever said that on the beach. I Man, I you. just got back from this three-mile run. Yeah. You know what really quenches thirst? Yeah. The only, the only explanation I can think of for that is that someone... Really high up at Starbucks, really loves them some apple cider. Sure. Okay, because gingerbread lattes are delicious. Sure. You know, eggnog latte, same thing. Yeah, is it really that they're just trying to to capitalize on the seasonality of the drink? Is I that would what think it is? so. I mean, like, there's no reason to have apple cider available in the summertime. Right. Right in, if you've ever ordered an apple cider drink at all, <laughs> anywhere, not even at Starbucks, but at all, in your daily life... During the summer months. It, it doesn't happen. What about eggnog, though? I mean, eggnog is available, you know, isn't it? You know, eggnog is something that I could get behind having all year round. But it's let's, let's, let's break that down. I think uh, eggnog is... Uh, it, it's a creamed... Is it a, it's eggs yeah, and cream. It's kind of it? like a custardy drink. It's, yeah. it's kind of um, almost, uh, almost kind of minty. You know, minty. I I taste like a little bit of mint. Huh? Yeah, but oh, you've never had eggnog. I never attributed mint to it. I've I've I taste like kind of a cool mint sensation. You know that goes to show. I've I've talked about this recently. Mm -hmm. Uh, This goes to show that everybody is different. Their tastes, Mm -hmm. uh, their tastes in things, their tastes in eggnogs is different. Uh, I I even know that uh, they say that people in West Africa see colors differently. Like our blue is not their blue. Interesting. Isn't that interesting? It is. We should go to war with them. I think so. Yeah. We it need could to just prove be that, to them what, what blue is, what real blue is. It could just be that years of smoking have ruined my taste buds. That's that too. Yeah. Man, I tell this tastes <laughs> menthol. This yeah. tastes like menthol. Yeah. I had tobacco. a watermelon the other day and it was spicy, let me tell you. Um, yeah. All right. <laughs> That's Eggnog all year because it, it's delicious and it's cold. You could have that in the summertime. You should ask Greg, why am I not on every show? Now, is that asking why she's not on every show or why I'm not on every show? Let's go with both and I'll okay. give you the answer. Hit, hit me with the right. if Viviana was... If Viviana... Why is Viviana not on every show? I don't know because obviously she's very entertaining. Well, 
my answer is fuck you. It, to Viviana. No, to you. Oh, to me. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Viviana, I love. Okay. Viviana Westbrook. She's it's go. It goes God, uh, unit core God country. Viviana, Viviana Westbrook. <laughs> you want me to go to the judge with unit core God country, Viviana Westbrook? But That's you, it. fuck you. All right. So so Viviana, why isn't she on the show anymore? I don't know. She's great. Me, fuck why am I not on the show? No, 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 no. The answer to why isn't Viviana on the show every every show? Is fuck you. Fuck me. Now, why isn't Dan Tyag on the show every show? We're busy people. Let's be honest. Okay. Okay. Schedules right. conflict. Right. Uh, and honestly, I can only take so much of you before my husband <laughs> bulge comes out. Right. That is the first time I've ever heard it referred to as, as that. That's completely a ripoff of Cabin in the Woods. The okay. second time I've mentioned it, I just got done watching Cabin okay. in the Woods. So gotcha. it's, it, so it's, it's fresh. It's fresh it's in fresh. my mind. Yeah, I would love to be on more. I wish, I wish you were... Actually, I wish we co-hosted this. Yeah. I wish it was Debatable Podcast with Dan and Gregel. Yeah, I would definitely listen more. Done. Wait a minute. <laughs> How often do you um, listen? I listen whenever I can. So... Do you listen like serialized in order? No. no. Okay, you skip I've, around. I've been I've been cherry picking. I've been picking and choosing. What was the last one you listened to? Uh, probably Ethan Meyer. Okay, that was that was number four. Yes, that was after you. Yes. So so you didn't listen to three and then four. You I went have an three ex- and then like thirteen. I have an then- explanation. All right, the little thing in my car that I use to plug into my iPhone, I, I I lost it. I couldn't. I can't find it. I found it actually like last week. So you're not really cherry picking. You just haven't listened to anything since yours, and then you listen. All to right, let me even. let me let me illustrate for you. If I pick one cherry, and I eat that one cherry, is that cherry picking? And then I don't go back and eat any more cherries. That's still cherry picking. <laughs> yes, it's only that I've just picked one cherry. That's true. And it happened to be Ethan Meyer's cherry. Can I amend my? Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna amend my answer. Okay, fuck you. Um... Why is it that I remember All Dogs Go to Heaven being a lot better? And what's up with the alligator in there? It's really creepy. I, I gotta, I gotta call off sides on this. I, I don't, I, I don't know. You don't have you ever seen All Dogs Go to Heaven? Maybe yes, I did, but I haven't Long seen it ago, in right? years. Here's the thing: I happen to think that All Dogs Go to Heaven holds up really nicely, and I when saw it maybe saw? like a year ago. Okay, maybe a little less. I, and for have a kids' you seen movie, Fern Gully recently. I have not. You I'm have. Not. Well, I, ah, yeah, ah, yeah. Okay. That's right. But so she remembers it, it being a lot right. better. I re- I think it holds up really nicely. It's really adult for a cartoon that was made for kids. You know, there's like smoking and drinking, a lot of death, gambling. Mm-hmm. You know, actually, I I think I think it's still a pretty darn good movie. I'm gonna go with you on that and have to agree with you because I have no other option. Okay. My other option is literally fuck you, and I'm not gonna say fuck you to Viviana. Right. Unit core god country Viviana Westbrook. Yes. Okay, why does my love why does my cat love cardboard boxes so much and yet tends to ignore the expensive cat toys I get him? I think that the the fault here lies with you, Viviana. That is. Because you I'll know you, at this point you understand that your cat could care less about the expensive exactly. cat toys. Just give him a box to play exactly. with. Give yeah. him a box to play with, they'll be perfectly fine. I think that's true of most males. Give, give them a him bo- yeah. a box to play with. To play with. And there yeah. Next. Um, and what's up with the older show characters who make weird sounds? What's up with that? I, what, I need an example. I have no idea. Oh, I think she did give me oh, a Oh, wait like, a minute. Like there the, are. The Charlie Brown like, teacher. Charlie like, Brown wah, cartoons. Wah, 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 wah. 
uh, Beaker from the Muppets. Sure. And uh, R2-D2. Yeah, lots of beeps and buzzes. Well, what do you think about that? Do you think that that's, hey, let's make a character that has a universal noise, that doesn't have a language, that you know anybody in the world can see and say, oh, well, that's their form of communication. Yeah, I think it's just, um, you know, certain writers... Um, picking up on that, you know, that, that usage uh, for a character. You know, I don't know that there's been a trend uh, for or against uh, beep-bop-booping characters in recent years. I haven't, I haven't noticed one. I wrote a script um, and it's just all gurgles and buzzes. Yeah, and, and you were actually going to star in it. Oh, really? As the, as the beeper or the bopper? As the bopper. Okay. The big bopper. All right, just as long as I'm not the booper. <laughs> Then I'd be perfectly Unfortunately, fine you, you die much like the Big Bopper <laughs> did. <laughs> Before my time. And, and that's when rock and roll died. Okay, so nice. yeah. uh, I'm going to skip over that. You know, here's, here, okay, but I will say that Doctor Who has a lot of uh, beep, bop, boop people on Obviously, it, because you know? it's a sci-fi show. Yeah. It's for nerds. Sure, sure. And what happened to uh, fame, uh, female villains with terrible sexual names from the Bond movies like Pussy Galore, mm-hmm. Holly Goodhead, right? I believe was it? No, that's not sexual. Christmas Jones. That's just stupid. Yeah. But um, let me Holly go lightly. I feel like that could be interpreted as. Do you think that the most extreme example is Pussy Galore? Absolutely. I mean. What yeah. are you supposed to think in, 19, what is that, 1964, well, 65, when that came I, Could it have been a synonym for cat at that point? I think that it gets away because I think in the, in the time period, it's almost right. like a family name. Oh, you know, it's Patricia or whatever. But that's Pussy. That's, Pussy's coming out to the, to the cottage later. Or sure, whatever, you know? sure. So Pussy Glore is almost like, you know, that's not your Christian name, obviously. Yes. I mean, I don't think. No. That would be a weird <laughs> baptism. <laughs> Jesus... I don't think Jesus had a cousin named Pussy. No, no, probably not. Mm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Bond, Bond villain chicks have always had really weird names like Christmas Jones. Right. Um, I've but... seen, and she says, I've seen movies from that period and I feel strange about this, uh, but I think we are growing more conservative. And why is that? So, would you say that generally people who watch a, a movie with a character named Pussy Galore immediately chuckle? Of course. Now, do you think that they chuckle chuckle more these days than they did back then? Like, do you think it was acceptable mm. around that? You know what I mean? I think that, yes. Because, I mean, you know, it, it's so blatantly obvious right. that this is a, a sexual pun um, to us. Uh, that, yeah, I mean, you get an immediate chuckle out of it. But back then, I feel like, like you said, they're, yeah. they're a little bit more willing to forego... The obvious sexual connotation, just go, well, that's, you know, that means cat. Right. You know, just like the way gay used to mean something else. Right. Or fag used to mean, like, just uh, just a cigarette, you know. Did it so, mean that? I, I think it did. Okay. Didn't it? Okay. Yeah, no, I'll say that, but yeah. where did... Okay. Um, <clears throat> but do you think that we're becoming more conservative? This is an interesting issue because they talk about generational mm-hmm. um, changes in society. Sure. And if you look at it just from a historical perspective, we went through the liberalism Mm -hmm. of the 60s and 70s, conservatism throughout most of the 80s and early 90s. Sure. uh, Liberalism, again, 
we go back and forth based on our president, but I think we've become more liberalized sure. society-wise. Sure, it's I, I agree that it's very cyclical. You know, it, yeah. it kind of goes from one point, one pole to the other pole. Um, you know, liberal conservative, liberal conservative, and and I also agree that uh, it uh, it can depend on who the president is. You know, in fact, Barack Obama being you know, uh, I guess he's he's liberal, but he's also kind of a more moderate conservative yeah. liberal. Well, he kind know? of campaigned on that. I remember it, yeah. his whole idea was that we were going to cross the aisle and kind of, mm-hmm. you know, we were going to join arms and everything. I mean, obviously, that pissed off as many Democrats as yeah. Republicans because Democrats wanted him to be a little more, you know, militant, a little, a little more, more edgy. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Let's From Pussy Galore to the President. <laughs> Love it. That's that's a great show title. Um, Annie. What week. what about the hand cream that claims to be lavender chamomile and yet smells like peppermint? That still weirds me out. Well, you already think things taste like peppermint and chamomile and yeah. And I would assume that if I, <laughs> what if I sampled app- that cream, it would taste like peppermint. What does uh, apple talk? What does apple taste? Let's just do a, okay. a. Let's run down some foods and what do they taste what like? What do they to taste you? like? Okay. Apples go. Sweet and juicy. Okay. Uh, pussy galore. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Explicit. <Okay. laughs> uh, spaghetti. Delicious. Spaghetti tastes uh, kind of uh, chewy because I I don't make it right. Now, is that a taste or is that a texture? I guess it's a texture. It's savory and kind of salty. We're talking about spaghetti. spaghetti. Yeah. Uh, Does the fairy tale romance exist? No. Yes. No. Oh. Obviously it doesn't. You cannot prove to me Mm -hmm. that anything works in this world like a fairy tale romance. Hmm. Maybe elements of it. Sure. I mean, a pumpkin coat. Do you mean like, like you know, like you just see the girl of your dreams, smacks you in the face, like, oh my god. Immediately. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, you 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 do anything um, magical right. to get with her. Oh, you mean like, you in, a like, like in a movie? Uh, like love you Potion get, Number uh, 9. Yeah, Love Potion Number 9. Spells. You mean, oh, so you mean like fairy tale romance in the sense that like unicorns, like... You know, like well, imagine, like you ride a unicorn to your first date. Absolutely, and I imagine that she's uh, pinpointed, focused, targeting the glass slipper idea. Ah, okay. Do you think that fairy tale romance exists where you can ride in a pumpkin coach? I would like to believe so, and I would like to believe that that pumpkin is also edible. While you're while you're sitting yeah, in it, yeah, just while you're while you're driving to the ball, you know, just lean over, take a bite out of the wall. So she she follows this up. Is there such a thing as love at first sight, or the true love where you are swept off your feet? We've established absolutely not. Yeah, I believe in true love. I, I don't believe after in, the fact. I don't believe in love at first sight. I believe in lust at first sight. Right. Where you're like, you know. Right. God damn. Maybe the love comes after you tax that ass. Sure. Sure. Mm-hmm. After you ask, um, is that spare change in that pocket or is that all ass? Yep. Yep. 
Is love about, okay, or is love more about two people with common interests coming together and making it work? Does the latter have more long-term potential than the former? I think if you get two people with common interests coming together and trying to make it work, obviously there is going to be a breakup or divorce in the future. See, you, you, you took that, you were going somewhere with it, and then you flipped that bitch. I feel like if you're going to have, if you're going to say, hey, I like, I like, you know, uh, uh, soul food, okay? The movie Soul Food. Not the food. Right. The movie Soul Food. Right. And she likes the movie Soul Food. Right. You're and- damned. You're damned. Because you both have shitty taste in movies? Exactly. Okay. I feel like if you like, you know, Ace Ventura when nature calls, and she likes boys to men. Right. That's a a long-lasting relationship. You're saying that opposites attract, basically. Absolutely. What if she likes boys to men, and you like opposites attract by Paula Abdul? See, then I think that it falls apart. It's a little too R&B. Think about it this way. If you like Jeepers Creepers, the that, movie, the horror movie, okay, yeah, right, okay, Jeepers Creepers, and she likes uh, um, Beyond the Sea by Bobby Darren, yeah, okay, yeah, that's gonna work, that's okay. gonna last. All right, well, what about a relationship between two people who have many common interests and a lot of um, uh, uncommon interests? Is that a, is that a terminology? Where they like some of the common and uncommon. Well, they like some of the same things, and then they also like different things. They bring different aspects to that relationship. I think that the only way that a relationship can survive is if you are constantly trying to pull back on the reins of your significant other's mm-hmm. distaste for you. So you're constantly trying to run that horse into the ground when they're like, hey, I, I don't like, you know, the wire. Okay. That's when you grab those reins and you ride that horse into the ground. You, you suppress. You oppress. Okay. You uh, other things with precedent. Depress. Depress. So you're saying that a strong foundation for a relationship is based in mutual distaste for the other person's likes. Absolutely. Okay. And I think that that is where a relationship comes from. It's all about working that. Mm -hmm. And you know when you finally either give up and agree or when you finally come around and say, hey, that thing you love, I love it too. Hopefully that's when you guys are on your deathbed and you die together. Liking the wire. Yes. Both of you. So currently right now, hypothetically, but not so hypothetically because Monique doesn't really like it, when she comes around to loving the wire, yeah. we will die. But you know, I, that's, that's very depressing. But you know what the other side of this is? Is that the, uh, the other side is it could be that you go around to her side and you someday hate the wire. I don't want to live in that world. Well, you're going to die. Next Either way, question. whenever you guys agree, you, Next you die. This is a very strange <laughs> you're, you're right. philosophy. Uh, why do people like goldfish so much? She doesn't really like them, Viviana. Is that the cracker or the animal? Good question. Let's answer both. Okay. So, uh, 
Viviana doesn't like crackers. Go. Okay. White people um, are the worst. No. Why would you not, like that? crackers. Um, yeah. Goldfish crackers are overrated. They have a little bit of salt on them, but not enough. A little bit of cheese, not enough. I don't... Don't you feel like also you eat a lot of them and you got a bad taste in your mouth like half an hour later? I, it, you know what? They're, they're a useless food because they don't fill you up. They don't taste that great. And there's a lot of them. So, right. I mean, you can't like finish that bag without feeling like a fat ass. Right. Uh, goldfish the fish. I love goldfish. I mean, you love looking at them. I love looking at like, like tapping on the glass. Putting them in your mouth. No. Um, Mike McPherson, our good esteemed colleague. I love Mike McPherson. From, uh, yes. from Towson University. Yeah. Uh, this will be interesting. I think you and I have a lot to say about this topic. Okay. Thoughts on the new movie Dread, and mm. is it a good movie or not? Okay. Um, not having seen it, I can tell you, no. It's a terrible movie. It's a terrible movie. Yeah. Now, wait a minute. You're talking about the new movie, Dread? Well, I'm basing my opinion of the new movie on the Sylvester Stallone Judge Dread. The Mr. I Am The Law. I Am The Law. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Rob Schneider, anything that he's in is terrible. I disagree. Yeah. Did you see Deuce Bigler? I did. Two? No. No. Ah. Yeah. No, I uh, I said to Mike the same thing. I haven't seen Dread. I have heard great things uh-huh. written about it, um, mostly in the blogosphere and the nerd community. So okay. you can never tell with them if it's true. Who plays Judge Dread in the new Dread? Is it Carl Urban? It, oh, is it? I, I don't know. I, I like so. that guy. Okay, I it might so. it might not be bad. I think so. I yeah. think it's him. It you know it might very well be good, but I'm not gonna go out of my way. You're not gonna okay. So yeah. we're gonna let's let's do this like Cisco uh, and um, Robert Ebert, Ebert and Roper. Is he now? I, I think Roper is gone. Okay, Ebert and and Dan Tyed. Sure. Uh, we're gonna do thumbs up, thumbs down on this. Okay, okay ready? And gonna, you know what? And you know what we should do? We should just do it and not actually like show, not like actually say what we're doing. Right. Okay. You ready? Yeah. We're gonna go for it. Okay. Right. Go. That's our right. review. That's our review. That's right. what Dread... That, yeah. Based on that, right. go and, see and Dread or skip it. I like the fact that we both agreed. I like the fact that we did agree. That yes. right there, that yeah. kind of made it. I think we both understand now right. where we stand on Dread. Yeah. So you folks, uh, you guys, you know, heard it from us. Uh, feel free or don't. Go Whatever. for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's let's get into a little, a little seriousness here. Uh what the fuck is with the disaster, the disastrous letdown and disenchantment of the Matrix sequels? This comes from your friend Pete Thompson. I, uh, Pete, our our old nice guy productions intern, just finished up his internship over the summer. Is he that, really old? Is he like fifty seven? Not not he's not old, but he's our old intern. In okay, that, old to you, old to us, old news, if you will. How old is old news to be old news to you? He's like twenty, I think. Oh, yeah, he's definitely run the gamut. Yeah, exactly. Hi, Pete. So what do you think about um, yeah, this? This is, this is a very important topic. Um, you know, the uh, the sequels came out in what, 03? 2003? 2002? So, so the first one came out in 99, yeah. right? And then, yeah, 2003 yeah. and 2004? I want, yeah, that sounds right. So nearly 10 years, the world has been waiting for our opinion on the Matrix sequels. Absolutely. In fact, I haven't even spoken about the Matrix sequels until this moment. You've been holding off your review for nearly 10 years. People have asked me, hey, Greg, what do you think about that? And I was like, I'm not telling you. Yeah. In the future. I'm going to start a podcast. Wait for it. I'm going to have 13 or 14 episodes. And then, (laughs) at that time, I will get to it. Yeah. Yeah. So So what what do... 
So what about... So I, I'll say this, okay? Yeah. Without remembering every detail, right. without writing a thesis paper about it, the first movie has all this promise, correct? Yes. And I feel like by the end of the movie, uh, it's it's pretty much uh, depicted that Keanu Reeves, Neo... Yes. Uh, or as I called him, Neo Geo, because I like video games. Sure. Became Superman at the end of that movie. Yeah. And in a way, that kind of held over in the next movies. I felt like his vulnerability... Mm-hmm was kind of taken out of that character. He had emotional vulnerability with yeah. uh, Trinity. Um, his life uh, was very rarely on the line, I feel like. Like, mm-hmm. he, his mission uh, could fail, but I didn't really feel like there was any he was, he was, risk. In, he was invincible for the last two Yeah, two and even when he uh, dies, spoiler, yeah. um... When he dies and it's, you know, very much a realization of the Jesus Christ figure sure. that this movie's gone for, yeah. that it's still kind of underwhelming. I feel yeah. like, it, okay, if we're going to be realistic, why did Reloaded, the second one, not work? Because obviously everybody had hype going into it. Right. If you watch that movie again, is it as bad as when you saw it in the theater? Probably not. Yeah. But it's... Hard, hard to say. I mean, the effects uh, were, were very groundbreaking at the time. I mean, like, yeah. the, the thing about the, the first Matrix was that the effects were amazing. Like, we'd never sure. seen anything like that before. Sure. And, and like you said, it showed a lot of promise. Mm-hmm. And then the sequels tried to deliver on that promise, and, and they do. They're like, here's, here's Zion, here's, you know, more of the cool effects. But, right. but the audience sees that, and they're like, eh. Eh, I, think, I really care. I, I think you know? kind of like the themes uh, and the the uh, the ideas that were created in the first one kind of actually weren't. They, they there was a fork in the road where they could have expanded on what happened in the Matrix, the first mm-hmm. Matrix, but they went in another way. And um, in a weird way, I, I find that when you make something real in a movie. Instead of something that was talked about in the first one, like mm. Zion, and talked about ad nauseum about this this other place that we're all going to end up and where we're going and everything, it was talked about in exposition after exposition. Once you make that real in the sequels, it's kind of deflating because mm. now your imagination, just like when you see a book adapted into a movie, now your imagination is stuck in that. Yeah, and you're like, oh, that's... That's what the underground city looks yeah, like. Yeah, it's a, we're, it's we're a, a big sweaty it's rave. A rave. It's a rave. Yeah, energy. this is not interesting to me. Right. Yeah. And I thought there were like there were moments in the sequels that I thought were superb. Sure. There were moments like that highway chase and uh, you know the cars are being beat mm-hmm. up and those two like ghost samurai or you know like trans transporting car to car and everything. There was good thrill there. Yeah. And uh, I I think in revolutions when uh, Mifune, who's kind of like the commander in uh, Zion, is that is that where he is? Where they're kind of like in mechs and they're yeah. fighting off the... What, what were those? The Sentinels? Yeah, the little squid things. Yeah, the, yeah. I thought that was amazing. Yeah. But I gotta say, you know, whenever I talk to someone who's a big Matrix fan like Fernando Madrigal, mm-hmm. um, I was not really impressed with the ending of the of the movie. And, yeah. and, the, and the Mr. Smith... Is it Mr. Smith? Agent yeah, Smith. Agent Smith. That Agent Smith fight at the end that was so anime like. I thought that was that wasn't bad, but I mean it's it's sequelitis. It's the fact that 
the you know the first one did so well. The uh, producers, the directors, they get a ton more money. They get to do whatever they want, and they get a bloated, expensive sequel that makes very little sense to anybody but them. Unfortunately, right. right. Now, as a sidebar, you brought up the Jesus Christ uh, mythology for the uh, the Matrix sequels. So, if, if Neo is the Jesus Christ of that world, what do you think Communion looks like for them? Do they do they eat like computer chips and, and drink some. Red Bull? Yeah. Here's an Intel chip and yeah. here's a Red Bull. Yeah. Neo sort of died for your sins. Yeah. Have a Chico. <laughs> sort of died. I yeah. like it. Um, so, again, let's give our rating on the Matrix. Sequels. Okay. Ready? Ready and go. Yeah. Now, you can decide if you want yeah. to go see it now. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Now, again, guys, we're giving a thumbs up, thumbs down review. I didn't expect it was going to go that way, actually. No, me neither. Me neither. But now it's on... On the digital record, yeah. what my opinion is. As so a, stop asking. As well as mine. Done. Yeah. Never to be talked about again. Yeah. Um, Angela Harper, friend of mine from high school. Very nice. Hello, Angela. Hello, Angela. Um, she asks, why do you feel No Country for Old Men was loved by so many? I feel like automatically her question is saying that she doesn't she didn't like, it. like it. She's yeah. negative. She's being right. negative. And personally, on this show, we don't do negativity. Okay. Ever. Ever. When I bring people on this show, it's about community. All right. It's about love. Sure. It's about the passion. We do not speak. talk shit. No. We do not speak negatively about a filmmaker, a TV show, mm-hmm. anything. Always positive vibes. Always positivity. Sure. So I'm going to present this. So, so Dan. Yeah. Why do you think No Country for Old Men was loved by so many? Well, um, probably because of uh, uh, Javier Bardem's haircut. It, it's fantastic, isn't it? I love it. I love it. Too. I would like that haircut. Quick review for No Country for Old Men. Let's do it. All right, ready? Here ready. we go. Oh, okay. That's surprising, isn't it? it you, you shocked me with that was one. Was that allowed? It's allowed. It's okay. definitely allowed. It's allowed. Yeah. I'm going to say, uh, on a serious note, I think No Country for Old Men is a movie that is uh, that's, that benefits from subsequent viewings. Sure. Because if you're watching it the first time, maybe you're turned off. Mm-hmm. Maybe you don't understand uh, these vignettes of violence. And then I feel like people feel like it... Uh, some people feel that it unravels with Tommy Lee Jones at the end with his little speech. Mm-hmm. Um, and it goes to credits. And I think... Actually, that I think that speech, that scene with Tommy Lee Jones is probably the most important in the whole fucking movie. Mm-hmm. Because not only is it revisiting the theme of the movie, but it's kind of... It, it puts you in the headspace of this is a world that's out of control. Yeah. It's it's anarchy. He's the main character, but he's not he's not in control of, of anything, exactly. really. Yeah. yeah. It's weird. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a good movie. And um, uh, uh, the other thing that I really like about that movie is that it's kind of a return to form for the Coen brothers. They had... Made a string of kind of crummy movies. Sure. Up to that point, after Oh Brother, we're at that. They did like Intolerable Cruelty, Lady Killers. Lady Killers. Um, you know, which and, is not a bad movie. You go back and watch Lady Killers. It, it's it's flawed, but it's pretty good. I, I think I, I haven't seen Intolerable Cru- Cruelty, but mm-hmm. uh, Fernandez wears by He says it's yeah. great. I, I liked it, but I feel like it doesn't stand up to repeated viewings. Okay. You know, so but, it's an Uno. It's like it's for me. It's like Burn After Reading because Burn After Reading is another one. Yeah, I thought Burn After Reading was great, but as I was walking out of the theater, I think I even said to you, I was like, 
that's not going to hold up. That's right. going to be a one viewing where I got the most out of it because that that ending is not going to resonate as much. Sure. You know, the kind of sure. like, what did we just learn? Right. Nothing, you know? Whereas No Country for Old Men and especially True Grit yes. you know, are like... Constantly amazing. giving. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a giving procedure. Yeah. And I will say that, um, way to be positive. Thank you. Well done. Yeah. Fuck yourself. Yeah. See? You say it nicely and yeah. all of a sudden. Yeah. Chris Haniok, the great Chris Haniok. Just work with Chris Haniok. He was the sound guy on our, on our last uh, short film. Yeah, Fantastic. Chris Haniok, uh, who is a good friend of ours from Towson and, and a, a great personality um, who is often parched. It's an insight. He he's, he's a dry-lipped man. Some would say that. He, um, he, he hits us with the one-two punch of... Actually, it's just one. It's one punch. It's a one punch. It's a one-one punch. It, yeah. Worst onset experiences either caused by cast and crew mm-hmm. or uncontrollable events. They don't, you don't have to name names, he says, okay. of people in productions. Right. You don't have to name names of people <clears throat> in productions. Okay. So, just give me the first one that pops into your mind okay. or the first two that pop into your mind. What? Well, I, 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 guess I hate really working with um, inexperienced directors... Uh, especially and by inexperience, I mean like directors that don't know how to communicate to their crew, right. communicate with the actors, and and especially they they don't know what they want. Right. Like they don't have a vision for the project Those itself. Those are the worst. Those are really the worst filmmakers to and, work with. And it's it's frustrating because you know everybody wants to do well, right? And you know you just you you can't really move forward because there's no kind of guiding voice right. behind the production right. itself so you're just kind of dithering around yeah especially yeah, yeah especially if they don't know what their vision is you know they're yeah. kind of relying on other people to yeah. kind of like oh well finally i have this title so yeah. and, listen and, to me and one in particular comes to mind and i don't want to like you said i don't want to name names so i'll use an abbreviation okay. but uh, g sadashni i found the last film that i worked on with him kind of a hack to be honest yeah not that talented all right in all seriousness, um, there are a couple of uh, that, that come to mind. Um, one was this one actor that we were working with, and we happened to be filming outside with him, and he would uh, uh, walk off every 10 minutes to go pee in the woods, but not, like, away from the group. He would just kind of walk to the perimeter of the group. And, and like, this is uncomfortable. That was pretty bad. And then there was another time where, like, uh, I showed up to a music video shoot. I had all the gear in my car, right. and I was ready to go, and they couldn't get us into the location. Like, they, the whoever owned the warehouse we were shooting in wasn't there. The director couldn't find them. Um, eight hours later, we were still just sitting around. The director's like, okay, you know, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. And then, like, at the end of the day, he's like, okay, we're, you know, we don't need you. Uh, here's $50. Right. You know, and that's, that's bullshit. So. Yeah. You know, it, it just comes down to, to productions being unprepared. Yeah. Yeah. You know. I have two. Um, one that I wouldn't say is the worst experience ever, but it was... Uh, so we did a short film, some of you might know, called Love Alice. I did a short film of, uh, it was about five years ago. And uh, we were supposed to... Gee, Sadashni. That's you. Wait a minute. Oh, wait a No. That's not me. Maybe, maybe a different Sadashni. That's another guy. Let's give a review real quick. Yeah. Quick review? Go. Yeah. I love it. All right. Um, so, Love Alice we did, and there was supposed to be a scene 
in kind of a uh, a living space. Actually, the the movie that I wrote, it was a short film, was based very much on Wong Kar Wai's uh, Fallen Angels. So there's this character where a hitman has an assistant and this female assistant, she's like cleaning his place Mm -hmm. and kind of like looking through his personal stuff and they never really meet up for anything but she falls in love with him because of the things that she sees like in his apartment, you know, just by going through his personality and having correspondence with him. In this short film, at least, they were having correspondence, like notes were being traded back and forth, Mm -hmm. that she falls in love with him, right? So there was supposed to be this scene where we move... uh, I wanted to get a a nice apartment space, um, and uh, actually, Fernando, who was helping me produce it, uh, his his, uh, stepdad... Uh, was either running or part of a a hotel, so he was able to get us a room. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know if you remember this, we were planning on starting to move this furniture over there to kind of set up the production design of the the, uh, set so that we could shoot, I think, maybe the next day. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it was a couple days later. And uh, I was deathly ill with bronchitis. Sure. And it, like, literally the day before started snowing, like, hard of shit so it is snowy as a motherfucker outside it's ice rain outside sleeting and i've got a fever and everything and just the expectation of of you know uh planning that and producing it and getting all the eggs in a all the eggs in a row all the ducks in a row all the ducks in the basket yeah all the ducks in the basket and couldn't come to fruition. So I think we ended up, you know, shooting it at my dad's house. Right. Um, just like a week later or whatever when mm-hmm. I got over it. It was just it was yeah. bad. I mean, you know, you gotta roll with the punches and, and you did in that right. instance and you got the you got the scene shot. Right. You know, and it, it sucks when you work really hard at something and then like like you said it doesn't come to fruition, it doesn't happen. Right. Um, but you know, I think you did a good job in that instance of, of going with it, the figuring o- something else out. The only other experience that I would say is not, a, I would, I would not classify it as worst once that experience, but one that is, uh, constantly a, a tickling, a funny moment for me uh-huh. is in that same short film, we had an actor who, again, he says, you don't have to name names. I won't. John Damon. Okay. Uh, he is, I'll beat that up. Uh, <laughs> no, I won't. Uh, John Damon, who, who is probably a very, uh, I'm not going to say great actor, but a serviceable actor. Mm-hmm. I would not say that, I don't know for sure where he is at in his craft now or, okay. as if, he, or if he gave up on acting. He might but, be a hitman now. He might have given up and become the character he played yeah. in the movie. Yeah. Well, he's a hitman, and of course there's these noir little lines in the movie supposed to resonate from noir. I remember noir. that guy now. Okay. Oh, my God. Oh, so no. we're on the set shooting in Baltimore <laughs> yeah. at, at uh, Leah's family's uh, uh, the bar, yeah. bar. Yeah, former bar. Oh, God. And uh, mm-hmm. John Damon is a is a is a, a gangster, and he's supposed to uh, resonate some some film noir esque sure. dialogue. Sure. And the line is, "Send in the motor." So basically, if anybody watches noir movies or crime movies, uh, especially of the forties and fifties, the motor could be. Yeah. The car, yeah. the motor could be another henchman, like a big built like right. Tron looking dude. Send in the motor. It's yeah. very mu- a throwaway line. Yeah. 
Now, now for the purposes of, of illustration, could I play the part of John Damon in this? Yes, in and this I will exercise? be the director. Okay. We are going to capture lightning in a bottle. Okay. I'll see okay. if I can. I'll see if I can recreate. Okay. Ready. We are going to shoot. Can we get a medium close up? Okay. I'm going to set that up. Okay. Cool. Um, okay, John. Listen. What I need you to do is we're gonna we're gonna have you deliver the line, and uh, I'm just gonna get you in this tight close up. Okay. I'm gonna call cut. We're gonna move on. Okay. okay. Ready. Ready. Okay, uh, rolling, sound, cool, action. Send in the motor. Okay, John, can you, can you kind of slow that down a little bit? Yes. Go ahead. Send in the motor. Kind of stretch it out a little bit, okay. you know, take your time with it, uh-huh. you know, maybe think a gotcha. second and then jump into it. Go. Okay, send in the motor. Okay, can you like, um, you know, take a pause in it, take a breath okay. in the middle if you okay. want. Okay, sure. Yeah. Let's go ahead. Send in the motor. Good, good. I like that. Okay. Um, you're doing a great job, man. Uh, just, okay. S- you know uh, you know what? I'm going to say action, and then I want you to wait three beats. And then I just want you to say, you know, I want you to, you got, you got the phone. Mm. I just want you to say in the phone, your line. But take three beats, put some breath into it so it's not, it doesn't feel like it's being delivered so quickly. Okay. 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 Okay, when I say action. Ready. Okay, action. Send in the motor. Okay, that's good. Um, okay, we're going to do three succession. Okay, okay, ready? Go. Send in the motor. Send in the motor. Send in the motor. Okay. Uh, okay, cool. Cut. Send in the motor. Okay, that is my experience with with John Damon on. You on should beep that out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna run into that guy on set. He's going and, to shoot me. Yeah, and then um, he's gonna send in the motor. <laughs> um, Fernando Madrigal, that guy who's already on this podcast enough. You might as well fucking have his name on it. Yeah. Um, as Maryland, Baltimore area natives. We're big fans of The Wire. Yes, I think we all all are. Uh, if you if you grow up in Maryland, there's yeah. kind of a an immediate uh, recognition when they talk about Hagerstown or mm-hmm. PG County or anything like that. Hyattsville. Hyattsville. Um, what are some of the Wire actors' locales that you have met, seen? Okay. Well, I mean, if you walk around Baltimore, you know, any them, like, yeah. you you get you get plenty of locations sure. from The Wire. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, 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 some, some major parts. I think, mm-hmm. you know, I've seen, I've seen what used to be sets for, for the bars, mm-hmm. for the bars that McNulty and the cops go yeah. to. Power plant. There's yeah. that big fountain, that scene where, um, Stringer Bell and, and Omar yeah. are just walking around yeah. the fountain. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you have kind of an ongoing tally with, uh, with Fernando for how many yeah. people you can yeah. meet. It's been a while since I've actually met some cast members from The Wire, but, I mean, like, when I was first starting out, for some reason, I just kept ending up on project. oh, there's my phone, I just keep uh, ending up on projects that were Wire-related, yeah. or had Wire people, you know? So you met Cuddy, right? I met Cuddy, the, the boxing coach. Right. I met um, Clark Peters, who was the, who was uh, Freeman? Yeah. Freeman. Sergeant? Yeah, yeah. Um, I met uh, uh, Herc. Mm-hmm. Um, I met Sonia San. Right. Um, I met David Simon. Right. Um, I think that might be it. I, oh, oh, I met uh, Cleccio. Yeah. Fuck right, right. you with a forty shit mouth. Right. I met that guy. Right. Yep. And his partner, 
um, who I can't remember his name. He's a, he's a, another uh, black guy, but he played his partner <sighs> I know on, you, um, yeah. on the show. Right. And that the, those two were producing a film that I uh, was a production assistant on right. um, when I first started out. I can't really like t- bring my dick up to the plate and measure it with you guys because right now like you got got gigantic dicks sure okay so even if i came up to like the trough and when i think of of the trough i think of the one like filled with ice at uh, university of maryland coalfield house okay like, back in the day they would just have a trough strange full of ice urinal yeah to piss and right now i feel like man you know i didn't mean for my eyes to wander but i wander over and i see you and fernando's dicks and your dicks are humongous Thank mine you? are my my my, my two dicks. Your bag of dicks. <laughs> my my full right. bag of dicks are yeah. very small. Okay. Very small. Sisma. Sisma. Um, so yeah, I think I've only. Who have I met? I have seen uh, the dude who plays the coroner. Okay. Um, Dellums. His name is Eric Dellums. He is. He does a lot of. Uh, narration and mm-hmm. voiceover and I saw him at work my work will remain nameless sure. but he uh, is also the voice of Three Dog from oh, uh, nice. Fallout yeah. 3 oh, I love that guy yeah Three Dog great voice um, but he uh, I, I've seen him I haven't met any wire uh, actors I think but I've seen I've like been in the vicinity like in a bar with mm-hmm. them or whatever but I can't remember who sure. it might have been Herc um, but I can't remember who else. And I think the PS de resistance for all of this. Yeah. Um, I can't. I can't bring out Fernando's list, but he did interview one of the big personalities of the Wire, um, and and that personality is Method Man. Yes. Oh boy. Oh, yeah. is that a wonderful interview? Yeah. Yes. I wish it was available uh, in the complete version because I yeah. think the one on YouTube cuts out one of the best lines. <laughs> the so, tripod scroll right, line? Oh, right. man. Well, if you have that link at all, you should definitely yeah, link that. We should to find this. that out. Sure. So we're right. getting, we're getting uh, shorter on time, so okay. I'm going to we'll try to right. wrap up these pretty quick. Okay. Um, Fernando also said, I, I know both of you are big Die Hard fans. How do you feel about Die Harder, Die Hard 2, Die Harder, okay. compared to Vengeance? Right. And here's his sub-question. Do you like the repetition of Die Harder, Die Hard 2, uh, or the expansion of the setting in Vengeance? So, Die Hard mm-hmm. 2 being very much a Xerox copy. Yeah, Die Hard 2 is more of the same, yeah. pretty much. And it takes place in a small area, just like the, the Nakatomi mm-hmm. in the first one. This one is in Dulles, Dulles Airport? Yes. Most of it but, takes place in the airport. Yeah, but not really Dulles mm-hmm. Airport, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if Die Hard 2 suffers from that thing I was talking about with the Matrix sequels, where just you get more of the same, right. more budget, more money, more explosions, expanded, bloated, more of the same. But I don't mind Die Hard 2. I like Die Hard 2. I yeah. can watch it. I love Naked Karate. I start my, my every morning with Naked Karate. It's fantastic. Yeah. I think that um, if you want a, a way to mm-hmm. to singular singular yourself, is that a word? Singular yourself. Singularity. Singularity yourself. yourself? If you want to find the oneness with mm-hmm. yourself, there is nothing better than kicking with your sack smacking yeah. your leg. Yeah, Naked Karate, man. Fantastic. And and there's also nothing that demoralizes an opponent more than, than seeing your crotch yeah 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 and but that being said i i like where die hard 3 goes with 
the expanded, you know, sort of setting and also the different kind of plot line. It's it's cool because I think if your expectation, like I I, I was a, I was a kid, obviously, I remember vaguely the mm-hmm. trailers for Vengeance. Now I saw the first Die Hard on videotape. My mom brought it home from like Blockbuster or Errol's back in the day. Errol's, Errol's yeah. back in the day. And she would be like, uh, we're going to watch this. Oh, Greg's here. It was like, well, you're going to have to watch this. And she would put her hands over my eyes when there were titties on the screen <laughs> sure, or whatever. Yeah. But I did see Die Hard 2 and Die Hard 3. Uh, Die Hard 2 in the theaters with mm-hmm. my dad and Die Hard 3 in the theaters with my mom. Now, I can't remember the trailer for Die Hard 3, but I do remember that there was an ex- expectation, at least with me and my friends, that, oh, are they going to do another Christmas action movie? Yeah. And I was pleasantly surprised to see that it was a summer summer in the city, just yeah. like the song, summer in the city type action movie. Yeah. And I liked the breadth of that story, you know, yeah. hot, sweaty action. It completely departed from the Die Hard formula, yeah. which is really good. And I know that Die Hard 3 is kind of like a rework of another script that was floating around. Yeah, the Simon Says script. Yeah. Yeah. But I think I think it works. I think it's really nice. Like, it's a nice sort of inclusion of the John McClane character in this in this different story. I think, you know? I think it might be... I, I dare to say I think it's Bruce Willis at the best that he's played John McClane. Yes. I think he's at the point where he's so comfortable mm-hmm. by ni- by 1995 with not just that p- persona but with the 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 story that's being asked of him mm-hmm. that he's comfortable with it whereas Die Hard 1 you can see that you know, he he does characterize well. He characterizes John McClane very well, but there's still that kind of this is the first big movie kind of thing yeah. about him. Maybe he's still trying to find his footing. He's perfectly world-weary. His yes. hairline is fantastic, fantastic in that movie. Doesn't get any better. I have said that you can mark the amount of fun that you're going to have in a Die Hard movie mm-hmm. by that Widow's Peak. Yeah. And you know what? Where was it in Die Hard 4? It wasn't there. So how much fun did you have with that movie? You, Die Hard 4 can eat a dick. Exactly. Yeah. A big fat yeah. dick. Yeah. But see, the thing is, yeah, I would say um, I would say not only is he the best as John McClane in Die Hard 3 simply because he's so comfortable in the character by that point, but I would say having seen Die Hard 3 so much mm-hmm. that I'm really aware of its one or two twists too many at the end. I think yeah. once they go to Canada, that whole mm-hmm. like plot line. Yeah. It is... gets a little bad boys too when they go to yeah, Cuba. You yeah. Know? But but that being said, I mean John McClane in New York in his element yeah. is really is really fun. Seeing him as a New York cop. Yeah, he's not his... like he's not like fish out of water, like, yeah. oh you know, oh what's going on here? Nobody right, believes me. Right. Yeah. You know? He's he, on his he's on his turf. It's I mean it's like the Dennis Franz character in, in Die Hard Two. Like just just believe John McClane. Right. Like you know at this right. point like so many things have happened to him exactly. at this it doesn't make any sense. And in part three they do. They they, they yeah. take his word for everything yeah. pretty much. And he's working with his team at yeah. the police station. And it cannot be um, overstated enough how good John McTiernan is mm-hmm. returning to that film. Yes. Like, Rennie Harlan has movies that you can watch that are almost like dumb, yeah. good dude action flicks. I love Rennie Harlan. He's great. Yeah. But... John McTiernan is he's like he's like uh, you know the Shakespeare of action movies. Yeah. You think about Predator, you think about Die Hard, mm-hmm. uh, even Hunt for Red October has great suspense in it. He knows how to balance 
great action scenes yeah. with good storytelling. Yeah. Unfortunately, he doesn't know how to pay his taxes. No, that's not what it is. Tapped his ex-wife's phone phone line. It is. It's even crazier than. Yeah, he got. He got, yeah. We talked about this on the Peter Lev uh, interview. Actually, I, I remember reading that he got into trouble with Homeland Security mm. because he was tapping his wife's uh, uh, line. Ostensibly, he said because of terrorist connections. Sure. But really, it was probably to spy on her, you know, talking yeah. to another man or something. He's watched one too many of his American movies. Of his American movies, yeah. exactly. That's very funny. you got to say it more with a German accent. Yeah, yeah. Trying to butch up by chewing on my glasses. I love it. The big one that I wanted to get into might be a, uh, another question for another day. I wanted to talk about video games. So let's let's... Save that for next time. Okay. Oh, we can do a podcast about video games. I would. I we can would play Borderlands too. Mm-hmm. We can play the new Portal if there's a new Portal Absolutely. out. Yeah. Let's uh, let's do these two last ones and then we'll we'll call it a day. And I'm gonna miss you once it's over. Well, you'll come back on episode 24. Okay. As it goes. All right. <laughs> no. I'll listen to the episode right after this one. Please. Yeah, then, yeah. Yeah. So, which ones have you listened to? 14 and 15. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, uh, Glenn Del Rossi, who's actually a really good uh, fan and friend of the podcast, he's a dude that um, always like tries to get new episodes out there when I post them right on, on Twitter and Facebook. He's a he's a great friend of the podcast and. And he uh, thanks, Glenn. Yeah, Glenn's awesome, man. Yeah. Uh, he is a he, he is a horror file, and uh, if you ever see any of his tweets, um, he is he he has a great DVD collection, and he he goes for obscure stuff mm-hmm. and rare stuff, and like as much of a horror file. If you see any pictures that he tweets of new uh, movies he's bought or whatever. Uh, it, You'd be surprised if you've seen him. You know, he's mm-hmm. like, he, he's so into kind of the rare finds and, and the... Sure. Uh, but uh, he said, uh, why don't you guys discuss your personal home video collections, DVD, Blu-ray, likes, dislikes, mm-hmm. favorite releases, great finds. I think this is interesting considering, you know, I, 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 might, I might still be there, but at some point, probably in college... I had upwards of probably 5,000 DVDs. Oh my God, really? Yeah. Wow. And uh, I ended up, you know, donating a lot of them to Towson when I moved because I just didn't want to move. I did, didn't want to move that much. Mm-hmm. Some of them I wasn't into anymore. I think at this point I've got a, a large collection, but certainly not as much. I've pared it down to movies that I really love. I know you have a large collection because I helped you move it. That's true. Into your new apartment. That's true. Yeah. The one that we're sitting in there yeah. right now. So I, I literally have felt the weight of your <laughs> DVD collection. I, I think that for me, being such a, a cinephile and loving movies and, and loving just... Um, loving... The, the the package of having uh, film school in a box, what they call film school in a box, mm-hmm. like special features, documentaries, uh, commentaries from filmmakers and everything, they can actually elevate a movie for me, seeing the behind the scenes sure. of them. If you love a movie, I mean, to hear the director talk about yeah. what what they've done at at length is, yeah. you know, a really awesome thing. Yeah. So for me, I mean, the the top echelon, the Everest, and this is not kissing too much ass, but it, it's the truth. The, the top echelon is really the Criterion Collection when it comes to the things that I love. Mm-hmm. I love art house. I love, you know, movies that... 
that are classic. Uh, I, that's kind of where my education started and continued through college and now you know it's kind of a collector's item mm -hmm. every criterion release is so lovingly put together they have great um remastering video and audio they have great supplement uh features great uh inserts essays and stuff like that yeah and uh totally o overall i think uh, when i think about the best things that i have i think probably criterion collection special editions are the best hmm Obviously, the best of the best, the best criterions I have are Armageddon and The Rock. Of course. Michael yeah. Bay's... can Really, Michael yeah. Bay's best films. Yeah. Is there a uh, Criterion Collection edition for Bad Boys 2? Because... Not yet. Not yet? Not yet. <laughs> what, are they, what, are they, what are you waiting for, Criterion? You're supposed to be a, a what is it, a collection of contemporary and classic films? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Yeah, bullshit. Why don't you get on it? Bullshit. But all, all honesty, I think that uh, the best, uh, the best collections are, are ones that that have filmmakers that are really involved in wanting you to see mm -hmm. behind the scenes. So that includes the stuff on Criterion. That includes Robert Rodriguez. Regardless of how you feel about his movies, he is utterly loving about the supplements that he puts yes. on the DVDs his 10-minute film schools are you know they're, they're really really, really interesting and and actually um, you know uh, educational yeah I mean even without uh, was it uh, um, rebel without a crew a crew is that the name of yeah, his book? yeah such a good book mm -hmm. uh, it's up there with uh, Sidney Lumet's book I think is making movies my favorite yeah. I love that one so you know what you know else is really good is make your own damn movie by yes. David Kaufman yeah, yeah. Love the that man book. the myth yeah uh, but yeah I think about um, the uh, you know collecting DVDs I I, I, I have a, a similar uh, love for collecting uh, mm -hmm. DVDs and, and now blu-rays that uh, that Glenn does uh, I think at the time that I started collecting stuff like when DVDs first came out, I think the first DVD I bought was in 98, 99. And I think they came out in 96, 97. Mm -hmm. um, I think that for the longest time, uh, the best DVDs that came out were made by Warner Brothers and New Line Cinema. Um, and the ones that were kind of the the worst in terms of, of uh, not special features, but... Uh, the remastering on the video uh, would probably be Fox DVDs. They put hmm. out so many DVDs that were not like anamorphic, were not remastered, yeah. so they looked shitty. They just threw it on the DVD. You know what's funny about the Fox DVDs was that um, they always had really elaborate menus, like yeah. overly elaborate menus, yeah. like the, the Die Hard DVDs that we were just exactly. talking. Like, oh my god, you got to sit through like a five minute thing just to get to the Super play movie animated. Action. Yeah. yeah, let's see, let's see an animation of Nakatomi uh, yeah. roof blowing up. Yeah, exactly. Every single later. time you want to yeah. select a different chapter. Yeah. And the worst thing that I hate about DVDs and Blu-rays is after you have bought them and you own them, they have menus or previews you cannot skip. Mm -hmm. That automatically makes me hate them. Yep. If yep. you own it, you should be able to skip it. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, you're watching that DVD or yep. that preview, you know, ad nauseum. Right. Sure. What do, just real quick, can you name, like, uh, your favorite... DVDs or Blu-rays, yeah, like I mean, ones that you just... I, I don't own that many DVDs. I maybe have like 100, maybe 150, something like that. And yeah. that's that's my entire collection since I've bought DVDs. Like it includes the first DVD I ever bought, which was I think South Park, Bigger, Longer, Uncut, yeah. or Mission Impossible 2, I can't remember. But Two I, 
fantastic. Yes, that exactly. Right. To be in the you know, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I, I buy movies, um, or my philosophy for buying DVDs and Blu-rays has always been like movies that I know I will watch over and over and over yeah. again. And I like a director's commentary. Anything beyond that, like you know, you know I can take it or leave it. But, um, but like Evil Dead, mm-hmm. you know, the Evil Dead, you know, pick a release. Which one? Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. But I have all three Evil Deads. Um, you know, Casablanca. I watch yeah. probably you know once every few months. Absolutely. Blazing Saddles, Amelie, mm-hmm. um, Twelve Angry Men, which was a gift from you. Fantastic. I watch that Fantastic. all the time. Yeah. You know, that's a great movie. Yeah. yeah. Murder on the Orient Express. So I, I really go for like movies that I personally love and then I can just kind of watch on yeah. the loop. Um, everything else, I Netflix it. Mm-hmm. You know, and if there's a, a commentary or something I really want, I can get the disc. Right. It's important to me, kind of that that um, that, and that's what I'm saying. Like when I was in college, collecting DVDs or starting to buy DVDs, it was more the collecting of them than it was what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, something I want to watch over and over and over again. Yeah. So that's why I purged myself of so many of them because now I have these movies. Uh, that are currently in my collection that I do watch over you really care because I really love them yeah. Yeah. so I think about like all of Fincher's films mm-hmm. um, uh, I, I for the longest time my you know most prized possession was that special edition that came out of uh, of Seven because Seven is one of those movies that kind of like so indelibly uh influenced me when I saw it. It mm-hmm. was it was it was it was a frightening movie for a, a preteen to see when sure. I saw it. And it's always stayed with me. But that fucking package has four commentaries on mm-hmm. it. It has behind the scenes. It has how they remastered the sound and the video and everything. And of course when it came out on Blu-ray I had to get it too. Yeah. Sure. Fincher for any for anyone who loves DVDs and home video and, and Blu-ray, yeah. Fincher is the man. Yeah, Fincher does the loving treatment to all of it. One of my favorites is um, the Fight Club DVD. Absolutely. You know, the yeah. one that's like in the brown paper mm-hmm. bag. It looks yeah. like, like that. Yeah. That DVD is amazing. Yeah, you know, it's like four discs. It's so good. Um, and even to a certain extent, you know, I've gotten away from thinking uh, just uh, amount of special features mm-hmm. that quantity equals quality because that's not true. Sure, you can have. A, a, a Criterion release, for instance, that has, uh, you know, a, a, an interview with the filmmaker that's 20 minutes long and an essay in the insert. And mm-hmm. it could be the most, you know, gratifying and educational thing. I, I think of, a, of, a, of the single disc releases that they do that are so well compiled. I, I saw this movie called, uh, shit, Downhill, oh boy. The downhill skate, downhill. Is this the one about the Jamaican bobsled team? Yes. Because that deserves a criteria. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know what? I got a computer right in front of me. Okay. I'm, I'm, we're gonna just just eat, okay. up, eat up the time for All a right. second. Eating up time. All right. So, guy walks into a bar. Um, bartender says, "What would you like to drink?" And the guy says, "A seltzer." And he gives it to him. Downhill racer. Yes. Is the single disc release that they put out of this uh, movie that Robert Redford was in in the in 1969? Mm-hmm. Not very well remembered, but it's a fantastic sports film. It's probably one of the the best examples of a, of an unhappy ending. Uh, it's a movie that has um, victory as a as a as a sports movie should have, but mm-hmm. at the same time, it's kind of put in check by oh this other guy, this other downhill skier. Mm-hmm is so close to my time. So he's going to... Robert Redford's on the way out. 
mm. you know, as an athlete, as an Olympic athlete. So it's it's this a guy's getting close. victory with a twinge of realism. Exactly. You know, it's a fantastic movie, sure. fantastic disc. That being said, um, movies that advertise their special feature as like a theatrical trailer and, mm. and Dolby surround sound, mm. fuck you. What about? Um, your special feature being cast bios. Yeah, and stills, production stills. Are you serious? N- no. I love interactive menus being my. That, yeah. that's my favorite. Interactive menus <laughs> comes on a plastic disc, includes movie. Yeah. I, I like to think that um, with the upcoming releases, now some people have said, "Okay, I'm waiting for the trilogy to come out," and it came out, I think, last year. Star Wars. The trilogy. Uh-huh. Of course, most of those motherfuckers bought the prequels, too. So yeah. fuck them. No thanks. For me, the trilogy, and I put emphasis on trilogy, Yeah. is Indiana Jones. Hmm. Because okay. when I think of a movie series that comes with three great films from my childhood... Okay. And the need that I have for having a drink coaster mm-hmm. that has Kingdom... Of the Crystal Skull written on it. Sure. I, that's the perfect that's a, that's gift a, set for me. Three three DVDs and a, and a drink coaster. That's what I need. I like it. That's See, what I for need. me, that's Die Hard. So if you got the set, you would use Die Hard one two, one, two, and four, and then three as the drink coaster. No, no, I'd use uh, one, I'd, one, one, two, and three, one, three and then four. four as the drink coaster. Live wait, free wait and Die Hard is oh, the, the drink the coaster. Oh, the Widow's Peak, I'm sorry. Yeah, oh my god. This is. Can I? Can I? Can, we're gonna. We're gonna make a quick aside before okay. we finish this. Can I? Can I run down to you what Rotten Tomatoes put up as Bruce Willis's top ten movies? Oh, I would. I would love. And if the kid isn't included in this list, oh, it, it, I'll it, be very it, it upset. Is, and I'm sorry. Okay. But here is Total Recall, Bruce Willis's best movies. We count down the best reviewed work. Okay. Of the Looper Star. Now this came out yesterday, okay. on the twenty seventh. All right. I want you to give me. Okay, you know what? We were doing reviews earlier. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. This time, I don't want to do thumbs up, thumbs down. I want you to just give me the face. Give me the face. Give me the face of okay. your reaction to this as All we right. go through it. Okay. And keep in mind the number. I'm gonna. Give is this, you this listed from like? Like ten, to 10, 10 is like the okay, and then one is the best Bruce yes. Willis movie. Okay. Yes. Now I want you to give me the reaction, but also keep in mind where it is on the top ten. Okay. So when I say number seven is this, I want you to react. But you don't want me to react verbally. No, just give me the face. Okay. Okay. Number ten. All right. Over the hedge. Number nine, in country. Made by the Moonlighting Director. Oh, okay. Number eight. Eight. Close to the end. Number eight. Sin City. It's really killing me not to react verbally to these. Okay, please. I'm going to say from seven on you can react verbally. Okay. Okay, ready? Because number seven... fucking explode. Because number seven is live free or die hard. What the fuck? What the fuck is, is that shit? Okay. All right. This list is what 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 website is this? This is Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. And and in case you are wondering, oh, they're compiling it from the Rotten Tomatoes score. They're not. Uh, okay. They're 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 just compiling. This person is a Rotten Tomato. That's what I have to say. It's horrible. Actually, are they? They might be. 
If they are, it still sucks. Yeah. Um, number seven, live free or die hard. Yeah. Give them, a, give them your reaction again. Fuck that movie. Okay. Number six. Six. Less than the top five. Number six. Okay. The Sixth Sense. You know, and okay, so, alright, I'm not a huge Sixth Sense fan, but that's a good movie, okay, and, uh... It's number six. Yeah. Okay. Number five. We're, we're getting in the top five. Alright. So these will be the, the top five the top, best Bruce Willis... You think cream of the crop. Okay. Best things he's ever done. Go. Twelve Monkeys. Number five. Okay. Is that kind of okay? It's, it's not. It's, it's not terrible. It's, yeah, it's not the worst. Has it? Life. Has it? Has it? Um, cleansed the palate of Live Free or little, Die Hard? Though? Yeah, a little bit. Little being bit. being on the list at all? Yeah, yeah. Number four, Nobody's Fool. What the hell is that movie? Okay, that's a Paul Newman movie. Okay. And Bruce Willis is in it as kind of the cheating husband of Melanie Griffith. Okay. It's a great movie. If anybody said, hey, this is a top ten of Paul Newman movies, yeah, yes, that, fucking put it in the top three, what, I would love it. That's what I'm going for, because I mean, I, I, I personally haven't heard of that movie. Yeah. But, yeah, Bruce Willis, no. No. Okay, this is where my, my bowels start to separate okay. from the inner lining right. of my so uh, I should, stomach So I should prepare for a smell. Yes. Okay. Okay, ready? I'm going to try to say this without pain in my voice. Number three. Yeah. Three. Three. Is Die Hard. Okay. It's pretty high up. Now, to this point, we have had two Die Hard movies on the <laughs> list, right? Yeah. So, so it's, it's an interesting choice, Rotten Tomatoes, but to put Die Hard's two and three at number two and one on your list... And, and you know what? Now that I say this, uh, yeah, they are doing it by the pers- the Rotten Tomatoes percentage. I was okay. Wrong. Okay. But at this point, I will say this: Die Hard, the echelon for many, the mm-hmm. top, and the lowest point are both on this list. Die Hard Two, I didn't think was going to make it, but Die Hard Three is not even on it. All right, which is disappointing because that's a very good Bruce Willis movie. Number two is Moonrise Kingdom. Now. Okay. I haven't seen Moon's Moon I haven't seen it as, as well. I hear it's fucking amazing. Okay. But it's number two. Okay. It's number two over Die Hard. Okay. And number one, what do, what do you think number one is? Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, this list is so confounding. Um, but I guess if we're going by best reviewed movies, um, man, I, I, oh, okay. All right. Does that make sense? It makes sense. It does make sense. Greg just turned the laptop around and showed me. It's Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Number one is Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Number one, Pulp Fiction, Moonrise Kingdom, number two, Die Hard, number three, uh, Live Free or Die Hard, number seven. Yeah. I mean, Live Free or Die Hard, I don't understand being on that list at all, but I have, I have a seething hatred for that movie. This is a Rotten Tomatoes... Uh, percentage okay. from wor- worst so it's kind of an aggregate like best reviewed yes. now let me give you the aggregate for the users scores okay number 10 Armageddon number 9 Die Hard 3 okay number 8 12 Monkeys number 7 Fifth Element mm-hmm. number 6 Lucky Number 11 sure number 5 Live Free or Die Hard <sighs> number 4 Sixth Sense number 3 Moonrise Kingdom Number two, Die Hard, and okay. number one, Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction, okay. again, number yeah. one. Yeah, and that list makes more sense, but I, I don't understand 
America's love or at least uh, their their non-hatred of Die Hard 4. Like that's that's the question. not not why does America love No Country for Old Men? Why does America love Live Free or Die Hard? Right. Why, why does America love well, do they love Len Wiseman? Well, they don't hate Len Wiseman enough to kick him out of Hollywood. Okay, on the on the on the scale, let's say Jim Cameron. Let's say James Cameron's the top. Okay. Where do you put Michael Bay, Len Wiseman, and uh, Paul W.S. Anderson? Okay, I, I got that, all right? Michael, or, um, uh, James Cameron's at the top. Absolutely. Michael Bay's right below him. Yeah. Okay, because say what you will about how st- fucking stupid his movies are. He at least is a visionary director. Sure. You know, really good action sequences. Sure. Paul W.S. Anderson has fucked up a lot of video game franchises. But, again, you know, some creativity there. You know, his movies are entertaining, mm-hmm. if stupid. Right. Len Wiseman has not made... At the bottom of the list. A, ...a movie that has appealed to me ever. Now, are you saying that Len Wiseman does the action equivalent of an Eddie Murphy movie? Um, you mean like of a Norbit or mm-hmm. Meet Dave? Yeah. yeah it's generic. Yeah. It's boring. Um, you know, hey, let's stick Kate Beckinsale in some spandex and parade her around fighting zombies or whatever, vampires... You know, okay. It's the only good thing that Len Wiseman has done. It's Cape Beckinsale. Beckinsale. Yeah. Well, I got the last question. All right. I got it. This is the big one. I figured that this we're already uh, the better part of an hour and a All half, right. and I feel like this is going to take up a half an hour by itself. Okay. Are you ready? All right. We're going to jump right into it. You tell me exactly what you think. Okay. Um, and I'm going to let you just get on your soapbox and talk and talk and talk all you want. But take as much time as you want with this. Okay. okay. You ready? All right. What do you think about the Emmys? I uh, didn't see him. Neither did I. Yeah. Okay. All right. Dude, thank you for so, so much for being back on the program. Thank man. you. Doesn't, didn't this feel good? This felt really good. Like no, a roller coaster. And, and not just because I'm laying on your bed, which, by the way, is getting softer. And warmer. And harder at the same oh, time. Oh, and warmer. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And a little wet. This is going to happen again. I yeah. think that each time we get better and better. I like that we got past the origin story. We got mm-hmm. past Vince Bowman. Yeah. This is like Spider-Man 2. Yes. And next time we'll be like <laughs> Spider-Man 3. Uh, or Live Free or Die Yeah, Live Free or Die Hard. Okay. Next time we'll be like Die Hard 3. <laughs> Have a good one. Thanks, dude. Bye. Man, that was a little bit of a long one. I hope you enjoyed. I, it was all over the place, and uh, I actually like just the the schizophrenic nature of this episode, uh, just because we we had so much fun doing it. Um, I hope that you get uh, some uh, amount of entertainment out of it, because I think it's uh, I think we had a really good rapport, really funny. Um, yeah, and I'm still kind of upset about my iPhone four. No, I'm not. I'm I'm over it now. Uh, I'm not uh, as materialistic as you might think I am. So I'm going to go buy seven Blu-rays. I'll be back. No, uh, anyway. Uh, it was a nice uh, program with Dan. And uh, hopefully 
I'm going to, I think I'm going to be having a, a good friend, of my, a good female friend of mine on next week. We're going to, uh, I'm going to go touch base with her right now and actually find out if that's happening. But um, yeah, we're going to have a, a nice, uh, a nice uh, October set up for you guys. And, uh, you know, again, I hope to uh, reschedule Steve Mims and uh, Joe Bailey Jr., uh, the two filmmakers uh, that made Incendiary, that great documentary. Uh, if you haven't uh, seen it out. Uh, it's available on iTunes. It's available uh, to uh, to buy on DVD. I've actually linked their website on the Tumblr, so go over there and check it out. And if you're still not sure if you want to do either, um, you can at least check out the trailer on Vimeo, which is also linked on there. So yeah, definitely go check that out. Next week, I will see. I will see who it is. You know what? We'll keep it a surprise right now. But I'm hoping she's going to come on the program because she's awesome and I love her. Um, Okay, guys. I love you guys. Um, Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed it. Have a good one. The music on today's podcast was brought to you by MusicAlley.com. Uh, go on over there, check them out. I have the uh, the bands and their songs on the show notes, along with links to their band pages on Music Alley. Uh, go check them out. If you uh, like the music, uh, download them. Support those artists.